From the headquarters of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, this is Capital and Scott. I'm your host, Laura Farrar. Within days of the detection of the first case of the coronavirus in Arkansas in March 2020, school systems across the state closed their doors and sent kids home. For nearly two years, educators have been working overtime to adapt to a new environment where children are learning virtually from home as well as in classrooms. Teachers have hand-delivered homework to front porches. Some have even helped bring meals and other supplies to kids in need. Now, as COVID-19 cases continue to decline, most students are back in classrooms in Arkansas as teachers and administrators hope for a continuing return to normalcy. But things may never be quite normal again after one of the most unprecedented shifts in K-12 education Arkansas has experienced in recent history. Arkansas Democrat Gazette education reporter Cynthia Howell asked teachers to reflect what it has been like to work in education during the pandemic and what lasting impacts COVID-19 may have in classrooms. Her article was published in the Democrat Gazette on April 3rd. So Cynthia, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for joining us. You published the story earlier in April uh, where you interviewed teachers across the state just reflecting upon what has happened or changed with their profession during the pandemic. Who did you interview and how did you choose them to begin with for this story that was published? Well, thank you for having me, Laura. This is kind of fun. As you said, I did do this story back in April. I've been covering the pandemic since the beginning, um, and I have talked to superintendents, and I had visited a school and done stories about from the school angle, but I just wanted to talk to teachers, you know, to get a cross-section, not to represent any particular district or anything. What I did was I went to the Arkansas Teacher of the Year competition and picked out the, you know, they have finalists, and so I chose the Teacher of the Year for 2022 and three of her co-finalists for that. Um, they were from across the state, and they were very experienced, very outstanding teachers. That's a very rigorous competition, so I felt very comfortable in going with these particular people. Um, the ones that I did choose, there were probably about 12 or 15, but I did choose some that were actually classroom teachers, and maybe not specialists or things, but just had that, that daily responsibility of a class full of kids. Um, I talked with Jessica Som, who's the 2022 Teacher of the Year. She's a um, special ed elementary teacher, K-4 teacher at Stagecoach Elementary in Cabot. And then I talked to Amy Farmer, who is a secondary math teacher in West Memphis, the Academies of West Memphis. And then Allie Dolan is a middle school and high school teacher social studies in Springdale School District at the Don Tyson School of Innovation. And then um, Rosanna Brown was a fourth grade teacher at Fort Smith, in Fort Smith. She has since become a specialist. So she does work with all students in her school. But at the time, the first year of the pandemic, she was a fourth grade teacher. So anyway, that's how I chose those. And they were very accommodating. I talked to each one. Um, using Zoom, a separate Zoom interview for each one. That and I tried to ask them pretty much the same questions about their experiences. Sure. So let's sort of set the stage for people right now. Um, we're in spring, obviously, of 2022. 
are all students back in school right now? Are there still some virtual learners sort of just what's the situation for most schools in the state? As we finish out this school year, there are students who are still virtual or hybrid learners, meaning that they are doing a combination of virtual and on-site. Probably about 4% of Arkansas students are doing some kind of virtual or hybrid which is about 20,000 students out of the state's 470,000. Right. That's different from the previous year, the first year of the pandemic. When we started out that year, about 63% of the state students were on-site and the rest were off-site. And people drifted back on to on-site over time. Right. So um, I did cover some education early on um, in the pandemic. Refresh our memories when the pandemic was hit the United States in March 2020, the schools, all of them pretty much shut down for the remainder of that spring semester. Is that right? Correct. On-site instruction was shut down and teachers and students were supposed to be learning from home. I mean, there was still school supposed to be going on for the rest of that year. And they did. And then the following year, the 2021 school year, the governor said all schools have to be open five days a week. You have to have on-site instruction five days a week. And that was pretty controversial because people were, that was before the vaccines. That was scary. As a result, a large percentage stayed at home and learned from home. Then this current school year, the numbers increased um, more on-site instruction. Right. When they first closed down the schools, they used AMI days. Arkansas was really lucky because we had those days in law already and had been used for inclement weather where students would have packets that they would take home and and do their schoolwork at home. Or some use the computer and then during that spring they ordered computers and laptops and Chromebooks in massive quantities and passed them out as fast as they could and tried to teach the kids how to use the devices and their parents too, and the teachers had to learn too. So it was a, it was, there was a lot of learning on the fly. (laughs) So they literally closed down like within a couple of days or days or uh, how quickly was it just sort of overnight? uh, Just about. They started off closing down four counties, Pulaski County, Saline, Jefferson, because that Jefferson was where the first um, case. In Pine Bluff. And then within days, they closed it down for the rest of the, oh, for like the rest of March and through spring break. And then the governor said, well, we just have to close it down for the rest of the year. Right. So when the teachers who you spoke with, when they look back, um, especially in the early days of the pandemic, what were some of the things that you heard? I mean, it might be obvious what was difficult. I mean, obviously closing down school and having to teach virtual just on the fly sounds incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. But what were some of the things that you heard from them during this time period? Well, just they, are, they were very concerned about meeting the needs of their students, you know, Um, So many kids depend on food service from schools and the teachers were helping and the staff were helping to distribute food as well as their computers and the textbooks and the packets of lessons and so on. Um, One of the things that they did that was really creative was put Wi-Fi on school buses and park the buses around town or they would have the churches put you know, um, hot spots at the churches and people could go to the parking lots and use the Wi-Fi if they couldn't get it at their homes. But just getting those devices out 
And of course, every state in the country was looking for devices, so there was a huge demand on that. So that was a challenge too, just that supply. They, you know, they adjusted as quickly and as best they could. I remember Jessica Sam was telling me how she delivered things to people's offices, their parents' office, or to the front porch. She and her aides, because she's a special education teacher, she had aides in her classroom, so they would um, schedule so that they could go to back to the school and pick up supplies within a certain time period and not run into each other, not contaminate each other. So. so I think what is really interesting is there are a lot of schools in Arkansas where a high percentage of students are on free and reduced lunches. But I feel like just from my sort of brief coverage of education that the pandemic really brought to the forefront what was going on at home for a lot of these students, whether it be access to food, not having access to the internet. What did teachers say about in terms of the ways in which they maybe got to know the families and the needs of their students that they didn't maybe have access to before? Well, just that communication, you know, responding to a parent who says, I don't know how to get on to the Schoology platform, or my child is not able to get to their schoolwork. And so the parent and the teacher had to communicate maybe much more than they had in the past. And some of the teachers said that they bonded with their parents far more than they ever had. And that was one of the benefits, they thought. They appreciated that. <laughs> sure, because there were even school buses that were driving around um, yes. communities and delivering meals. Yes, and, um, and the to... books and the Chromebooks right. and everything Rich. else. It's really a phenomenal effort now that you think back right. about it. You know, it's monumental, right. unprecedented. It's, it was, and that was another reason for even looking at this story because it was so historic. And again, we're about to move out of it, I think. But it was a once in a lifetime thing, and I think it should be recorded in history. <laughs> sure. And but I also remember um, in the fall of 2020, right? Yes, mm-hmm. when um, there was the virtual, the constant pivoting back and forth between in class and virtual because of COVID-19 cases. And I also remember there were faculty and um, administrative deaths happening that year. Did any of them speak to sort of how they felt putting their lives sort of on the line and having colleagues literally die from the coronavirus, in particular before the vaccines were out? You know, the teachers that I talked to, every one of them was um, so thankful that schools had stayed open to the degree that they did which is surprising because as of last August, which I know is kind of old, there were 46 school employee deaths. August of 2021, okay. And so that's a a while ago, and I'm sure we've had a big surge since then, so I'm sure that number's grown. I just didn't have it up to date. In fact, one teacher said that they were insanely grateful that schools had stayed open. And Arkansas was ranked number two in the country, according to this recent school administrator magazine in the amount of learning that was able to take place during the COVID years. And so the idea that they were able to have classes on site and then if they needed to, they could pivot on a dime practically. Everybody had a Chromebook. They could take that Chromebook home. They could go on their learning management system, Schoology or whatever it happened to be, and they could deal with it at home for a week 
three or four days until one, they had enough teachers back at school that were healthy and able to teach or that they had enough students in the classrooms. So the pivoting was very important and critical, but I think it allowed schools to continue to operate. And I think you would hear from state officials and from school district administrators that they did not have to pivot as much as maybe they thought they would. Sure. And and I remember Governor Asa Hutchinson even nationally saying Arkansas is going to keep schools open, being on sort of national news programs. And other governors were sort of adamantly trying to keep the schools closed in other states. Why do you think the teachers are so grateful that they stayed open? Well, these teachers, I think that they thought the students needed that contact. And that um, one teacher said, we've proven the model that this pivoting allowed us to stay open. We could meet the needs of students. We could keep in touch with our students. I guess they, they felt relatively safe with that. And, and there were a lot of efforts made in the buildings themselves to keep the buildings safe with sanitizing the buildings or just everybody had their own water bottles. I mean, just things that were small, but also big things, air filtration systems. You know, um, in the Little Rock School District, I think the PTAs helped buy units for each classroom and they would keep their windows open, you know, during the day. They um, wouldn't have music lessons. The music teachers would move around the building class to class and the students wouldn't go to the music room. They wouldn't use the same equipment over and over during the day. Everything was very um, planned so as to not and they and they spread kids out in the cafeteria too. That was another big thing. Everybody could sit three seats apart. <laughs> we'll be right back with more Capital and Scott. Hi, this is Laura Farrar. The stories we dive into on Capital and Scott are just a fraction of the reporting the Democrat Gazette brings to readers every day. If you'd like to support our commitment to bringing you the latest in Arkansas news, sports, and entertainment, consider subscribing to the Democrat Gazette. With your subscription, you'll get a digital edition of the newspaper every morning, along with the latest news and updates delivered to you on an iPad provided at no extra cost. For just $34 a month, you'll get the same award-winning journalism you've come to expect from the Democrat Gazette, plus exclusive photo galleries, videos, articles, and digital extras like this podcast, all in the palm of your hand. To sign up today, call 1-800-482-1121 or visit us online at arkansasonline.com forward slash subscribe. Welcome back to Capital and Scott. Did anyone talk about the fact that obviously mask wearing and certain safety protocols were very politicized and controversial? And I feel like some of the schools, I don't know if it went down to the teacher level, were sort of got the brunt of frustration from parents and maybe other people in the community. Did they talk about having to deal with the people not wanting to wear masks or wearing masks and sort of the and fights that have ensued over that? Well, you know, now early on, the the people that were very concerned about getting sick or their children getting sick, they were virtual students. Now, this particular group of teachers did not talk so much about the masks other than coming back to school. They said that they were relieved that there wasn't a lot of stigma among the students about who was wearing a mask and who wasn't wearing a mask. And that, that on one day a student might wear a mask, that same student might not wear the mask the next day and then bring the mask back the next day. She said that they always, she saw that her students were very, um, they had a mask with them, whether they wore it or not. It was a very political issue, the masks, but um, 
they work through it without too much at this particular group. So schools are no longer sort of following, correct me if I'm wrong, following the cases and pivoting that much anymore. Is that right? It's um, just kind of steady in class yes. now. And the masks, I think everybody has eliminated the mask, absolute mask mandate. They, they do recommend at some schools that they do wear the mask based on what the CDC numbers are. But there hasn't been a pivot probably since before spring break, late, late February probably was the last. Right, right around the time that Omicron was, yeah. I guess, impacting Arkansas. So what are you hearing about the situation? What are things like now? Um, your story mentioned, you said that Arkansas has you know, done relatively well in terms of learning throughout the pandemic versus other states. But are t- what are teachers saying in terms of retention rates and just how students' academic performance is, is now? Well, on a national level, there's a lot of concern about the academic shortfalls, especially in math. The math achievement is considerably down compared to 2019 before the pandemic. And the reading and literacy is is also low, but not as bad as math. There's a study by Amplify, a national curriculum group. They talked about how they thought probably one out of every three students in kindergarten, first grade, second grade and third grade, one out of three, we're probably not going to finish this year on grade level. So it's a long-term effort to raise the achievement back to even pre-pandemic levels, which weren't that great (laughs) even then, because achievement's been a problem, especially in Arkansas. Arkansas is a low-achieving state in many ways. Right. Uh, Do they feel like this is a fairly big setback on top of a state that's already struggled with. Now, you know, one teacher I talked to in West Memphis, she thought that her students were making progress. She felt okay with how things were going. She didn't know if the ACT score would reflect that, but she still felt that that her students were moving forward, that it was going to be okay. Other teachers, you know, it was a concern and it is a concern. It's a little bit, there's, a disparity, you know, some ethnic groups and racial groups and um, socioeconomic groups are more affected than other groups. That's it, always been a concern, and, and the pandemic did not help it at all. Sure. Um, what about behavioral challenges? I guess for everybody, we've all been, you know, experienced a lot of isolation. There's been a lot of community-wide trauma, but with young kids, um, how is this showing up in the classroom? Well, the younger kids are not acclimated to school or weren't. Um, as one teacher said, these aren't the same kids that we received back in 2019. The kids are different now. A lot of it is they just didn't even know the rules. <laughs> you know, they hadn't been, they didn't go to a quality preschool because the preschools were closed. And so learning how to operate in a classroom, in a group, and to raise your hand was something that everybody had to learn and so that was a problem for the upper grade kids you know they were so relieved to see each other and just kind of overstimulated you know just so happy to be able to talk and chat and they'd forgotten how to raise their hands and so everybody had to kind of reacclimate to a classroom or or be acclimated for the first time um, a lot of the schools are using programs to help students manage their emotions the Fort Smith School District is using something called capturing the heart. And it's just a, a way to say, look, 
you did this, next time maybe you could try this, or you know, just sort of converse with the students and try to get them to look at what they've done and how they might handle it differently. So that's an issue. Um, one teacher in Springdale said that she really thought that we have a, a national crisis in terms of student anger and, and behavior. And I was surprised by some of those kinds of comments because, again, these were very outstanding teachers. And so if anybody can handle it, these teachers can handle it. But still, they saw the, the struggle. Anger from, from what did they think? Well, for example, in Springdale, it was grief. And they, the kids were scarred and scared by pandemic. In Springdale, they have a large Marshallese population. And they were very affected by the pandemic. And so those kids were hurt by that. So. Right. I think there's been some advocacy for a while in the United States or sort of just analysis of the education system generally to try to build in more of a social emotional component to learning. Do you feel like that's spurring this? I do. Mm -hmm. And I think that this will help that. I mean, I think schools are trying to hire as many social workers and uh, counselors as they can to help the teachers deal with this. They're just taking steps to include that. But again, that has become a little bit controversial that parents are a little bit leery of exactly what that's what that's made up of. But even this high school teacher, she was saying she wished that there was some button that they could put on the iPad, you know, for their students that could incorporate social and emotional learning into American history or whatever the course is, because the teachers are just so overwhelmed with teaching the, the core curriculum. They need to be able to weave in the social and emotional learning as well. And that's challenging just because of a lack of time and skill to do that. So, Cynthia, there are a couple more things I wanted to sort of touch upon. One more negative, one more positive. I'll start with the negative first. I have a friend who's a, a teacher in Hot Springs, and I know that she cannot wait to retire. The past couple of years have been extremely difficult. And I have the sense there's a lot of job openings across the state. Did you hear anything about that from these teachers and the fact that people just don't want to be in this profession anymore? I did. And again, that was a sort of a surprising outcome to me because, again, these were very outstanding teachers and long-term, very credentialed, you know, master's degrees and master teachers. And they, they all said that teachers want to be respected. I mean, they had felt the disrespect or the um, lack of trust. Maybe lack of trust is a better phrase. One teacher said that it's not that the grass is greener in some other profession, but when you have so many hard days at school, then you think, I could have fewer hard days at maybe another profession. And she understood the reason why people were thinking of leaving. And, and the national statistics are really clear about how people want to leave within the next couple of years, that they're leaving, they want to leave sooner than they had planned. And there was a study just done this month from Merrimack College. It said 12% of the teachers surveyed were very satisfied with their job. So that's like one out of 10. And 44% expected to leave within two years. And the typical day for a teacher was 54 hours, a 54-hour work week, not a day. And then that NEA, National Education Association, and the Arkansas Education Association, they've all produced some pretty high numbers. Which, I mean, that 54 hours, that's a lot. And I feel like teachers probably are just having to do fill in the gaps beyond just grading papers. There's just a lot more to it. Sure, now. and the planning and, sure. and catching up and having so many students with such diverse needs, you know, 
in your in your one classroom, you could have a child that's at a first grade level and then all the way up to the sixth grade level. And and the teachers did talk about that. That the one of the benefits of the um, pandemic is that they, in a way, learned how to differentiate education and to notice more about the individual student. That they just were forced to focus, focus, focus. And that leads to my my last question is, what are the positive takeaways from this? I think you did touch upon sort of the technology aspect, um, more flexibility, more sort of ingenuity, innovation in the classroom. What are people happy about after this two-year really difficult experience in K-12 education? Well, again, the, the flexibility that technology provides, the ability to pivot to an online program. There was so much recording of lessons done that those lessons can still be used now. And that, in in a way, involves parents. Parents can see what that recorded lesson is, and they can help their child work, or they can understand what's happening in the classroom. So in a way, that's helped bring parents into the system a little bit more than maybe they were. We'll probably never, ever have another snow day again, because AMI days are going to be here forever. So kids will do their schoolwork (laughs) at home when it snows or the power's out or whatever. Those are some of the main things, I think. Everyone will have a device. You know, that was something, some schools, Springdale, each student had had a device for years, but they um, hadn't really used them like you would during the pandemic. So they had maybe 150 at one school that were virtual learners before the pandemic. And when the pandemic hit, that number swelled to 4,000. <laughs> so even though they had the devices and knew how to work on them, it was um, still a challenge to provide the It'll, instruction. And, and some of these schools, rural schools, use some of this pandemic relief money, I believe, to purchase more iPads or laptops or whatnot, yes. which yes. would, in terms of bridging the digital divide in more rural parts of the state, even though there might not be internet access everywhere, there's now maybe more access to oh, yes. technology, which is yes. great. And we didn't touch on that. That's another one of the benefits of the pandemic for the schools and the students is that COVID relief money. That was huge. I mean, there was three rounds of it. And the first round was generous. The second round was more generous. And the third round was, oh, my gosh, that is so much money. So like the Little Rock School District got nine, is getting $99 million oh, from God. the three rounds. And that's about a third of their budget a yearly budget. And of course that'll be that 99 million will be spent over several years, but still, that's a huge amount. The state I think was 1.7 billion in just that federal covid one time. It opens up all kinds of opportunities for schools, not only for the technology, but for summer school or after school programs or tutors or counselors, just whatever the need is. Sure. Well, we'll look forward to your continuing coverage of education in the state and how things continue to progress, sort of hopefully moving towards a post-COVID-19 world throughout the rest of this year. So uh, Cynthia Howell, Democrat Gazette education reporter, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Enjoyed it. As of Tuesday, April 26, there were more than 3,600 job openings in Arkansas schools. According to Arkansas Education Jobs, a website run by the Arkansas Association of Educational Administrators. Capital and Scott is produced by Nick Popovich. I'm Laura Farrar. We'll see you next week.